What is up, everybody? It is Friday. And your fave good little Jewish gal over here. I'm going to attempt to go to temple tonight for Friday night services, but I figured, you know what? It is Friday. And so in the meantime, I'm going to deliver a kind of sermon of sorts my own way. So without further ado on this special Friday up, Please help me in welcoming Carrie Shorts. Carrie is an LA gal, tried and true. She's been behind the scenes writing, directing. She's also been on reality TV. And, yeah. and she is a fellow Italian Jewish princess. So please pay respect to where respect is due. And we're here today to celebrate her new endeavor, her book, Series of Unfortunate Men, you know, I love a fellow entrepreneurial tri-state bitch. So Carrie, <laughs> hi, my love. What an intro. My goodness. You're so good at that. Carrie, <laughs> that means a lot. Oh yeah. Like we're going, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pumping it up for, for, for the club or temple. I mean, choose your own adventure really, but either way, we're getting it pumped up in this bitch <laughs> for you. Um, I appreciate that. Remind yeah. us, Carrie, what reality show were you on? Um, I tried to forget it, but um, I was on, this was about 12 years ago now. Um, it was when like reality TV ruled the world. It was like, I Love New York, Flavor of Love, uh, Rock of Love, all of those shows. Um, and I was on the spinoff of I Love New York, Frank the Entertainer. Wait, <laughs> Frank the Entertainer in a Basement Affair. Isn't that a fucking lovely name of a show? Okay. Affair. And the, the reason why I was called that is because the guy, he was an Italian guy from New York and he was known for living in his parents' basement. So they were like, Ooh, aren't they all? <laughs> we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. That's why I was like, Oh, whatever. Like all the guys I date live in their parents' basement. Not a big deal. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was the show that I was on. And then I wound up winning, which was kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, got my experience, um, on reality TV. You had your reality TV love happy ending, right? Your happily ever after. Love My story. happily ever after, which means like for, for the norm on VH1 shows, like three months top, and then you go to the reunion show and you hate each other. So that was my happily ever after. Would you do reality TV again? Um, I feel like I've kind of passed that journey in my life. Um, interestingly enough, I put out a book that, says all my deepest darkest secrets but at the same time I don't know if I would feel comfortable having like a, a camera in my face again at all times just because I learned so much being on that show and uh what they're capable of with editing and what they do in post and things like that and especially in like this world today yeah you know I become like a meme the next day for like something I said about something else and then I think it's just um uh you have to walk on eggshells when you're on reality TV. And I, I, I don't think it's for me anymore. I kind of like being behind the scenes and like being behind the camera and like telling other people what to do. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because people, I feel like always try to pimp me out and they're like, why don't you just, cause you know, I've been hustling. I mean, I've been in this business as of you for, yes, you know, girl. a long ass time. I've been in this business for like a decade and mm -hmm. I hustle and grind my way. And people always, cause it's that instant fame. They're like, why don't you go on the bachelor? Why don't you go on this? And while it's tempting, I'm just like out of principle, like I'm a stubborn bitch. And I'm just like, 
Yes. Like the exposure, all this, but like something, I'm just like, I can't, I can't bring myself to do it. I can't. Here, here's the thing like, and, and, you know, I, I, I'll probably never do it again, but I will say this for you really quick, just always. And this is what, what I was told when I did the show, always just be yourself, like always be yourself. And, um, I, I did that. And somehow I wound up making it all the way to the end, but I feel like you, I feel like you would just bring like so much relief to these damn fucking shows. I'd be like, oh, breath of fresh air. This girl is like speaking the truth with everything. I, I think you should consider it. Just saying. I would like blow the lid off that place. I feel like this is bullshit. This is a scheme. This is like, I know the real size of your penis. Like I would just really, they would be crying in their trailers. So <laughs> honestly, but thank you, Carrie. Well, actually this is a good segue because speaking of penises, let's yes. talk about your book and to where it all began. Okay. Because I read it's on Amazon. It's and- on Amazon. And I read the like summary, okay? And one of the things it says, it's like from pubescent penis obsessions to, and I'm like, come again. Literally I'm getting my nails done and I like splashed the guy with my pedicure. I was like, I'm sorry, what? So pubescent penis, because if someone reads that fast, they're like, okay, this is not a Jeffrey Epstein sitch. No, so please explain, please explain the pubescent penis obsession where it all started. Um, so along with all the other things I'm exposing about myself in this book, um, it starts from my childhood. And, um, I think I, I just was like, I had this weird obsession with penises at a young age. And it wasn't because like I was seeing, you know, penises in my household. My mom like kind of like introduced me to like this, you know, cartoon version book of like, you know, and this is like the eighties. So this cartoon version book of like, the male and female body parts and like what we do with them. And I literally just like, I remember my mom flipped the page and it was like, I literally like, I saw the elephant trunk and like, I was obsessed. Like, I was like, Oh my God, what is it? And she's like, this is the penis. And I was like, I want a penis. Like that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And I had like this weird obsession with penises when I was like five or six years old, my mom was a little concerned. Um, is it penis envy a thing? I don't want to cut you off, but I have a psych minor. I've studied this stuff a lot, but penis envy is, what is penis envy again with kids? Is this that kind of thing? Because this I, is an actual thing. I think it was like, I, I had like FOMO about it. I was like missing out on something really cool. Like I was just like, I have this, but like that looks even more fun. Like I want to be able to pee standing up, you know? Oh, I know, the I luxury, know. the luxury, yeah. The luxury. Like, I wish I could explain exactly what it was, but I was just like, it, it was a, probably about a full year where I was like running around the house and I would like, <laughs> I would like take a piece of toilet paper, stick it in my lady parts. I'd be like, mom, look, I have a penis. Like it was really, yes, I would have like, there's a chapter in my book called Play-Doh Penises. And, um, it's, it's when I was like, there's a small part when I was a kid where, you know, I'd be with my friends, they're making like Play-Doh animals and like Play-Doh hearts and things like that. And I made a penis family out of Play-Doh, you know, like mommy, the daddy. And I was like, so proud of it. Um, again, mom was really concerned, but I was obsessed with penises. But well, here's, here's the thing though. And all, cause I have people who listen to my show who like me are super into psychology. And I just want to, we yeah. love a Sigmund Freud moment. So I just Googled it quick. Okay. Penis envy is a stage theorized by Sigmund Freud regarding female psychosexual development in which young girls experience anxiety upon realizing they do not have a penis. Like that's interesting. See, 
I think that that's definitely, yeah, speaking in uh, psychology terms, that's definitely what was happening to me. Yeah. So that's where it started. That's where it started. Um, And what ended up happening? Like, did you grow out of it? Did you like, was it through like exploring and like, you know, middle school or high school, you know, whatever that whole thing. Yeah. So there is, there's a lot of, um, you know, the first few chapters, there's a lot of me talking about how I was like, just obsessed with sex from a very young age. Like I just, and I don't mean like I was physically doing it. I was just so curious about it. Like back in the day, like we didn't have like full access to like Pornhub all the time and everything. And like, you had to like order it for $20 on your like mom's TV. Um, but I think like that probably made it, I was even more curious about it. Cause I would like get in so much trouble. I would like, where I'd be like, Oh my God, I want to watch this and like, see what's going on. And I would like watch these like old school, like porn stars, like having sex. And I would just remember being like, why are they screaming? Like that looks ri- like they look like they're not having a good time. Why are they screaming? They look like they're in a lot of pain. And I just remember like thinking to myself, is this what I have to like look forward to? But it still intrigued me so much. I don't know. And plus growing up in Brooklyn, Tay, like you're introduced, like you grew up really quick in Brooklyn. Yeah. I would say like by junior high school, like all my friends were having sex. Like it was. Were you, well, let me ask you this and <laughs> we're really going rogue, like yeah, raw dogging yeah. it. Cause you're like, yeah. I'm, you know, getting in front of the camera. And I'm like, so let's just talk about your sexual activity. If I could have a chart, like a pie oh chart. No, fuck, but, no. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. And there's a reason I'm asking, are you like, were, or are you like a super sexually explore like active or explore not to sound like an OBGYN but like are you like a super you know sexual person in real life like then and now and the reason I ask is because it's funny I was the same way like I'm hearing your story and I was the same way and even now like I talk about it on my show a lot but it's funny because in real life I'm kind of like conservative when it comes to sex. Like I don't sleep around a lot. And I was having uh, drinks the other night with this guy I went to high school with. And we were talking about this and he's like, uh, not gonna lie. He's like, I'm like surprised. I always thought you were like, cause I was so always so curious about it. Like you, and again, would talk about it in my work but my real life was no such thing. So that's why I asked because I'm just curious like how it ended up like playing out, you know? Yeah, no, that it's interesting that it is that way for you. And, and I love, talking about all these things too so that girls can be like oh shit so I wasn't a weirdo when I was younger like exactly you know I normalize it a little bit I would say probably from college to my early 20s I was a extremely sexual person like ridiculously Mm -hmm. sexual like I wanted to try everything you know this is also when I had like long-term boyfriends and I was like let's try it all um but as I've like evolved over the years, and I think it's because like, I hate to say it, but I think it's because I experienced so much of it. I realized um, how unimportant it is to me now. Like now as like a 36 year old, like, don't get me wrong. Like I love a good sex session, but um, I'm more conservative now as well. Like I, I, I don't have sex with someone now unless um, I really fucking trust them or unless there's some kind of emotion involved. You know, I'm I'm like, recite me poetry all day, but I'm like, you know, and you know, what's interesting, Carrie, is I often look at like narratives in the mainstream and I feel like there is, it's when it comes to all this, it's really a weird predicament because women are encouraged almost to like 
be like men in order to be equal. And I always on my show are like, okay, I want to be equal, but we don't have to be the same. And so we'll see in the mainstream, like the Kim Cattrall's of sex in the city, like all this, like normalize this. Right. And that should be normalized, but there's another side of it that you have like conservatives being like, you know, if sex is your whole life and you're running around doing all these romps, you'll be unfulfilled and unhappy. So like, how do you see it? Like, what is the sweet spot? I feel like there's merit in both, but yeah, yeah. I think, I think it has to do with how we're evolving and where we are at that time in our life, because I was a Samantha at one point, you know? Um, and I really do think it has everything to do with your experiences from childhood uh, and while you're evolving into growing up, because now it's like, okay, I love a balance of both. But if you're going through, if you had like a traumatic situation happen to you, a lot of times going back to psychology, if you had a traumatic situation sexually, you're more likely to be sexual for a really fucking long time. Like ironically. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel it, like people don't talk about that. No. And I talk, yes, there's, I've normalized a lot of things that women go through good and bad. Um, but that's one of the things it's like, our reactions to sex come from a lot of just of our own experiences that we've been through. Um, Because in this book, Carrie, you talk about being the obsession of a mobster. Is this right? And you survived a kidnapping? Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) So do these experiences play into what you're saying? Absolutely. They affected me for uh, the rest of my life. Um, and I had to, you know, go through some serious therapy and things like that to kind of, uh, switch my, uh, my brain into thinking certain things whenever I dated someone or when I was sexual with someone. But, um, yeah, uh, both of those situations, both of those, re- the kidnapping was actually a guy that I was with for five years. And he, uh, was just an extremely, he was one of those very I mean, I was young, this was like 17 to 20. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was one of those really overprotective, like very jealous kind of men at the time. And um, he was, so the kidnapping part, I'm not gonna say too much because you'll have to read it. Um, But it was uh, a night that affected my relationships for the rest of my life. Um, And same thing with with the mobster, you know, he, there's a story in there that involves, you know, a jar of teeth and it, again, um, yeah, yeah, yes. So it's, it's like, uh, and, and I think this is why also I felt like I needed to share the story because not only is like each chapter, like a lifetime movie with a different person, but I feel like every chapter is like every woman has either been through something traumatic like this or they are in a relationship like this where they're kind of just like staying around because they have no fucking self-love or self-worth. That's okay, so, the key. <laughs> well, so it's interesting. My take was actually opposite. I was literally, it was, I was about to come out of my mouth and even reading the description on Amazon. I'm like, this is not, you know, like Amanda on your cul-de-sac. I don't know that she has had these experiences. Like this is something that people yeah. do not and have not experienced. Did that like- did this happen by the way, both in New York? Yes. Yes. Most of my experiences happened in New York. We talk about Los Angeles and like, you know, lies Angeles, I call it. Um, I talk about all of that and that's mostly like newly single carry dating apps, celebrities. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. You've dated yeah. celebrities, Carrie, right? I've dated a few because I've, I worked behind the scenes in the industry. You know, the first job I, I had, there was an audience producer. So I was constantly meeting hosts of shows and celebrities and I've made a lot of friends with a lot of them, but I, I dated a few in between. So yeah. Before we get into that little cliffhanger, I have to ask, and this might be like, you want to save it for the book. But when I first read that, I'm like, how does one casually just throw out like I escaped and got out of a kidnapping? Like, how do you describe in the book? Yes. Um, you know, this person was charged with kidnapping, you know, um, the event that happened, it's like, after reading that chapter and everything that I went through with him, you're, you're going to be like, Oh my God, totally fucking saw this coming. Like, okay. you know, it, it's almost like, Oh, well, yeah, we saw this coming because of all the events that happened before that. It's almost like when you get there, you're like, oh, yeah, of course this guy did that. It's not even surprising, you know? Yeah, it's just- Talk to me about, because you talk about like self-love and all of this. Mm -hmm. And now I could see someone saying, um, like a cynic, right? Saying, well, how do you keep attracting said situations? Okay. Yes. She's like, and this is something that could really offend somebody. Right. And we're not going to get into the like whole deeper, darker thing. We are going to get into the levity of all this. I promise you guys, but there is also a really tricky territory, which I explore all the time about me too, and putting yourself in a situation versus being against your will, et cetera. So you are nodding. Talk to me about that idea of autonomy and, and yes. So happy. You just said that. Um, the whole purpose for my book the whole conclusion of it is for me not to have like a pity party for myself I played victim my entire life like my entire life poor me why me I keep attracting all these horrible men why me why me yo like this was me the entire time yes these guys were abusers but like I wasn't attracting these men into my life I was allowing them and I was accepting them and it was all because I had no self-love, no self-worth, no self-value. So as much as um, I wanted to play victim for so long, there came a time where I had to accept that it was much more than that, that I was putting myself into these own situations and allowing it. And I think that's key that we, and you know, I, I never want a traumatic situation to happen to any woman or man, but at the end of the day, we, you know, we create our own stories and we are our uh biggest I always say we are the uh the narrator of our story but we are also the villain of our story so we have to always just pay attention to what we're doing to villainize our story and to to like hurt ourselves so that was the the conclusion of my book yes I've been through all this shit yeah it sucked yeah it was traumatic but I needed to learn to myself wow you know I'm really glad we keep piggybacking off each other, but I'm really glad you said that because I talk about these themes in a way you are, which is like, I never want to make light of somebody who is a victim, but I always at the end, like want to empower women to be in charge of their life and their narrative and their choices. And I find myself, cause I was in Hollywood when all this conversation was really coming to the forefront and female celebs would always say things like, you know, well, men shouldn't be acting this way and da, da, da. And it's like, well, of course they shouldn't, but there are bad people out there too, right? So it's like, they put all of the, um, like the onus on the men doing bad shit and no responsibility whatsoever on the women. Oh yeah. 
And oh, that yeah. bothers me because it's like that's just naive. Like there are thieves, oh, there yes. are lot, there are like there are bad people. And so of course men shouldn't, you know, people will say, oh, we need to educate men on how to be better and raise them better. Of course. But no, but we also need to educate them. And this is my fuck boy free chapter because we also are women. We, we're victims of, not even victims. We are teaching our sons at a young age. Don't cry like a girl. Be the man of the household. Don't show emotion. Don't do like, they have all of this pressure also, which I did a lot of research on later, but they, this, this creates unfortunate men. Because now they're bottling up all of this anger, emotion that they were never allowed to express for their entire lives because they have to have this manly pride and they take it out on women when they get older, which is also part of the abusive relationships. So that's another thing that I talk about that is very fucking important. You know, I have the guys backs in this book too, you know? Yeah. It's this, you are one step ahead because something I was going to ask is on the front cover, it says something like narcissist and what does it say? Narcissist. Narcissist and sociopaths and psychopaths. Oh my. Yes. And so at face value, it's, this is exactly, you hit the nail on the head, what I was going to ask you because at face value, it's like, we as women always have the liberty of like critiquing men. And like, they don't have it the other way, right? For like many of reasons, but we're over here being like, oh my God, they're this, they're that. And so it's really, it's so interesting though to me. And I was going to ask you this because on one end of it, if we try to almost like talk about their behavior, like you are, like we all do, it's like, no, stop trying to be, make men tell them how to be because that's toxic masculinity. But then on the other end of it, they're like, let men just be like, vulnerable and like kind of pussies, honestly, just to come out with it. Uh And so who wins? Because even like that guy I got a drink with, he's like, I I don't understand Taylor. If we make a move, we're an asshole and a creep. And if we don't, we're a pussy. So. Yep. Yep. It's like a lose, lose situation for them. And it's almost like, it depends what women you're, what woman that you're sitting with at the table, you just don't know what you're going to get and you have to figure it out. It's I I feel for them. I really, really do. I feel for them because you know, like you said, they're not almost like allowed or accepted to speak on certain things without being so horribly criticized. So I do want to like open these conversations for the men as well. You know, I think it's really important. And I think it's important for like how they treat their women later on in life. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's so many news stories I see lately about men feeling emasculated and we're literally seeing it happen even with young men, how they live their lives through porn, through video games, because they can't live out these impulses in the real world. Or even when it comes to success or living with their parents, like all these things. So isn't like in my mind, this narrative of like, just like, you know, we have to stroke them and treat them with kid gloves. I feel like that feeds into that. No. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to like balance. Like it's gotta be a nice, it's gotta be a combination of balance both because we're, we're taught as women to have both emotion, but yet be powerful and strong, you know? So I I just don't think that we're raising men the same way. I think it's just be powerful, strong, don't show emotion. So I think it is a comp, a a good balance of both. Mm -hmm. Cause I'll be honest with you. Like if a man is overly sensitive and overly emotional, it does turn me off because I'm, I'm a Brooklyn, New York girl. 
I want a manly man. Like I, you know, but at the same time, I want them to be able to have their moments to be vulnerable and emotional me and have communication and have those deep conversations, which is very important to me. But like, I also want him to like throw me over the shoulder and like give me a spank on the ass once in a while. You know what I mean? So yeah. So it's like, I think balance is what we need to educate people with is that it's okay to have a balance of both and you don't yeah. have to strong like a manly pride and all of that because yeah. we do that for women too we can be emotional sure. and, and so can men you know you just described like my dream guy like right. it's like <laughs> someone I can have an intellectual conversation with and can also like be vulnerable but also is like you know strong has his own thing going you know man. yeah Absolutely. yeah exactly it, I think that's all of our dream man you know that that's yeah. what we strive for you know, uh, I know he's getting a lot of shit, but Mr. Big, like, uh, that's what I'm talking about. But, um, oh although he wasn't very, no, he was like an intellectual type. I don't know that he was as vulnerable, but moving yeah. on, because like speaking of all this, like I had previewed before the celebrity men. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Can you name names <laughs> that people want to know, Carrie? <laughs> um, I think some of the clues that I give in my chapters, I feel like you're gonna be like, I know who this is. Like, oh, this is so. This is this TV host. You know, so I have them as like, one of them is TV host, but I give a very good physical description of him, and like Mario Lopez. And then I have. <laughs> yeah, I'm screaming. Dead. Mario Lopez. You <laughs> um, have to get the book, really. guys. I. What? I said that you're gonna have to get the book. Yes. Another one is a very famous TV food host. Um, there is, you know what? That's all I'm going to say. There's, there's. Oh my gosh. If it's Bobby Flay, I'm going to kill myself right now. Cause that is like my dream. Everyone who listens to my show knows this. Like it is my dream. His ginger ass. Oh, he has such a like, see like a New York, like that Dick New York personality. Uh, yeah. Yep, like that's yep. cocky and confident. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. I will not. Um, Disclose. Uh, confirm that but um it is definitely uh someone on that same level um okay Any and list yeah yeah okay yeah so the reason I ask is because what is your general you know takeaway from your experience with the celebrity man the basic takeaway is they're just like every other fucking man they are human <laughs> they are still have their fucking toxic ass traits um, and they are just, I, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, they are just like every other man out there, you know, they come with, um, I, for me, uh, the celebrity that's not, uh, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like I could give two fucking shits, you know, who they are, what their name is, what they've done. Um, you know, impress me with, uh, your heart and be a gentleman, do those things. But the main takeaway is they're just like every other man, like, if not worse, because they feel like they can get away with more 100. because they're celebrity. And one of my stories in there is like, you're going to be so disgusted by TV food host. You're going to be all <gasps> appalled. Uh you're going to cringe. You're going to laugh, but it is like one of my favorite stories ever. And like, like a sex thing or just like a general date. Oh God. She's nodding. If you're listening. Yes. Oh shit. Yes. 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 Oh. It is. Yes. Mm. Mm. Okay. It's one I of know my people, 
purpose. People yeah. ask me all the time. They're like, you know, did you date celebrity guys? And it's so funny, maybe because I was the reporter, <clears throat> reporter, so I was in the different right. role, but I always yeah. felt like I would like vibe with them. And they would never like follow through on asking me out. And I was like, damn, that's disappointing. And I don't know if it's like, you know, again, they could have just not been into it, but how? No, no, but. Like, how exactly? No, but. <laughs> Guys, <Yes>. no, no, <laughs> no. But that always like, people ask me that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I have nothing exciting to report there. And again, I don't know if it's because I was the reporter and they were like, oh, I don't want anything getting. I was out. literally going to say a hundred percent. None of them trust reporters, no matter how yeah, much you vibe with them. She's a reporter at the end of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also like, I would get this like complex because then I would see them with like the seven foot tall, you know, Instagram model. And I would be like, oh, I see. I see how it is. Oh, okay. And then, I, yeah. But yeah, I know. Get You're a reporter, vibes. babe. Get your lives right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget. So lastly, Carrie, um, you talk about how you also bring your struggles, your mental health struggles into this book, anxiety, depression. I, I too experienced said things. And I ask you this, you know, because I talked this week on my episode about Kanye West and how there's two sides of it, right? On one side, it's like mocking and making fun of. And on the other side, it's like, it's so serious that we can't talk about mental health. And the way I see it is like, not that we should ever mock it, but it needs to be both. Like we need to address it in a serious way, especially now when it is such a serious problem. But on the other hand, I feel like we need to bring levity to these things because we are fucking human. You know, there's a reason like silver linings playbook, right? All of the, like when someone makes a joke at a funeral and you're like, Jesus, thank God. And it seems to me like your book does that, right? Does it kind of like marry the two? Yes, I, I, I made sure that while I was talking about specific things that might have been traumatic or like my mental health, that I added a twist of humor to this because at the end of the day, like we have to kind of laugh about all of the horrible things we've been through, right? My whole thing is like, I, my whole thing is like, there is purpose and pain. And there is like, I love saying like turning our traumas into trophies, like now I like literally like parade myself around with all the shit that I've survived and that I've been through. But I think it's, I think it's um, important to add a little bit, an element of like lightness and humor to some of these things once you've survived it. And that's kind of what I do in my book, but yeah, girl, like shit, I was fucked up for a while, mm-hmm. like with the mental health stuff. And I, I think it is really important to um, talk about it. I mean, as everyone says, self-love, mental health, healing, it's so important to talk about, you know, but you also want to make it relatable to people who aren't yeah. going through it. That's the key. Yeah. Well, is I don't know what that person is going through. Okay. So how do I make it relatable for them to understand what the fuck is going on in my yes. head? That's yes. That's what it is. Because it's such buzzwords now too. I feel like it's like the trendy thing to be like, and it's like, you know, give me a break, like stick to your, you know, smoothies on Instagram lady. Like, unless you're going to really like get into it, it's become so like buzzy and that's sad because it really is like trendy. Yeah. Right. 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 And be going through that. Yeah. Well, Carrie, I'm so proud of you and I cannot wait to see what happens. You're going to have like 17 lifetime movies, maybe another reality show based off of your book. And listen, bitch, when it all explodes, you better come back here to be doing the interviews. Okay. I'm just saying. hundred and fucking a hundred percent. I'm the new Carrie Bradshaw. 
this is going to be the new sex in the city with, with just a lot of dirty sex and secrets. Cheers to that. Fuck yeah. Cheers to that. And guys get in on the action too, right? Carrie guys should read it. Guys actually have been getting the, the best commentary from the guys who are buying, uh, buying the book. They're just like, this is fucking amazing. Not only did I like get a hard on certain times reading it, but like you inspired me and like, thank you for having our back too. like, appreciate you. So yes, guys get it too. I love it. I try to accomplish that with my show as well. So I respect it. I appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll hire them to that bitch. Am I right? Oh, yeah. <laughs>